Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gannon from Find the Ranch. Welcome to Beyond the Wrench. I am your host, Jay Ganinen, and today we're going to get to talk and dive into the background of one of my favorite people in the aftermarket industry. Joe McDonald is the VP of Sales at Jasper Engines and Transmissions, and I've gotten to know Joe through a partnership we've developed between Jasper and Find a Wrench. I've admired Joe's leadership style and approach to business from the start of our relationship, and that admiration has grown immensely. Joe is a leader in a rather large organization, but is able to lead in a way that I've not seen from many others. He understands corporate culture and grows amazing people on his team while maintaining a focus on forward thinking, somebody that I genuinely look up to. Welcome to the podcast, Joe. I am really excited to have you on today. How is everything going? Uh, it's going awesome and uh, even better after that introduction. I think I'm <laughs> going to save that one and, and share that with my kids and let them know I'm not the bad guy they think I am. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you're welcome to use it there. So I, I want to start off with, you know, you're obviously the, the VP of sales at Jasper, uh, but what do you do on a, on a daily basis? And then I, I guess once we get through that, I, I really want to dive into what got you to this point and, and where that passion for the aftermarket comes from, because it is, uh, it's fun. And I think our listeners will really be able to to see that when uh, when they hear you talk. So I guess first and foremost, what, what is it that you do at Jasper? Absolutely. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm the Vice President of Sales for Jasper. We have about 160 to 70 outside field reps uh, determining on the territory sizes at the time. I oversee directly five regional vice presidents that report up to me. Uh, then we've got sales managers in each one of those branches. We're up to 50 branches now nationwide. And then the reps in those branches are out calling on, uh, obviously, the automotive aftermarket. So on a daily basis, that keeps me busy. But truly, the focus is on strategy, trying to be proactive as much as possible in today's world. That's difficult. And making sure we've got a strategy to grow. And what can we do and give back to those independent repair shops and fleets and sharing what we do to help them become successful? You know, one point on that. Just to clarify, Jasper is 100% in the automotive aftermarket. We don't supply any of the OE companies. So uh, with that commitment, uh, we wake up and breathe every day the automotive aftermarket. And the other unique piece about Jasper is we go directly to the installer market. You wouldn't see our product in a parts store through a distributor. Uh, we build it, we sell it, we deliver it, we take care of it. It's kind of our theme. Uh, so that keeps us busy, but keeps us focused solely on our two biggest customers, the fleet world and the independent repair shop world. And that you guys do a great job at it. I can, I can attest to that firsthand. So how, how did you get to this point? What, what got you into this, this business? What got you passionate about the aftermarket? How, how did you get started? Well, you know, listen to some of your other guests. I think I kind of followed some of their theme of, of how they've gotten into it. And, you know, coming out of college, I, I wasn't a gearhead. I wasn't a gearhead in high school. I had several friends that were, but it just seemed like I just kept getting into the automotive industry. And that started in the rental car business uh, for a couple of years. And anybody that's been in that, uh, that'll, that'll make you grow up real quick uh, with the demand of keeping those cars on the road and, and all that fun stuff. And then I was in the, uh, the oil business for some time, working for a, quick lube, a nationwide quick lube company from the franchisor's perspective. 
And that's really where I picked up a lot of my understanding of the business world. You know, when you're younger and you're going out and meeting these franchisees that are running the business, and your job is to make sure they're doing things the way that the franchisor wants it, you're really breaking down their P&Ls and what it takes to be successful and curb appeal, you know, all those things I learned during that. Yeah. Um, and then I, I went to work just briefly for a chemical company calling on independent repair shops. And then uh, in my mid twenties came, came to join Jasper at the time, 96 mid to late nineties. And, and those of us that can remember, that was a very good time. The economy mm -hmm. was hot and uh, Jasper was growing uh, by leaps and bounds. So I was blessed enough to come to work for them at a very busy time in a short amount of time, uh, three years, I was promoted to a regional sales manager. And at the time, the reason for that is we were growing and the focus was to be in every major market across the country. When I started in 96, I think we had 23 branches, mostly central Mississippi East Coast. And uh, we started opening up basically Texas, Denver, California, Arizona, you know, those type uh, branches. So uh, it was a whirlwind of growth. And um, about a year and a half ago, after being a regional sales manager for about 15 years, uh, I took on the vice president of sales role for the entire company. That's a, that's a pretty great escalation. Uh, and, and I think it speaks volumes to, to who you are and kind of your core values and, and similar to Jasper, right? I think it really aligns with what Jasper does. And and just from an outsider's point of view, and I say this to a lot of our internal people, but what you do and what Jasper does really kind of sets the standard for the rest of us to try and to try and live up to. And I don't say that lightly. I think what you guys do and how you how you go about your business is top notch. So I, I think the world of that. Uh, and, and I think that's something that I want to dive into a little bit today. And, and we'll, as we go, kind of dive into a few different things. But one thing to speak on that culture and, and what you've really developed at Jasper is a lot of great people. And from, from my dealings, every single one is professional. Every single one is a, a good person to talk to. Is that intentional? I mean, is that, is that like at the start of the hiring process, you're, you're bringing in a certain person or is it the training side? What, how do you cultivate that? Yeah, it, it's not easy. And just a, a quick story. So my, my first year with Jasper, and I was an entrepreneurial spirit. I tried a couple of businesses on my own in between some of the other things I shared with you. Very driven to succeed. And uh, when I was able to get the job uh, with Jasper, I'll never forget it. Uh, my wife said, that, that's sales. You're going to be fired pretty quickly. <laughs> and because uh, I'm, I'm a fairly direct person and just you know, be honest with people and, and expect the same from others. And uh, what I learned very quickly is I came to work for the right company. Uh, it was all about culture and ethics. And I'll never forget it. I was coming up on my uh, one year uh, anniversary and I had taken a vacation. And back in the day, we checked uh, voicemail by payphone. And I was checking my voicemail and it was the uh, vice president of the company, Zach Bobble, who is the president today. And uh, he was reaching out to me to wish me a one year happy anniversary and appreciated everything I've done in the first year with the company. Now, after almost dropping the phone and realizing <laughs> what just happened, that's when it really kind of hits you that you can say all the things about culture, which a lot of companies do, yeah. but to truly live it, it's got to be bred down from the top. And uh, the, the Bobbles and the Schwanks, uh, it's the family that purchased the company in 1987 from the original owner, Mr. Ruxer, in 1942. 
And uh, they've taken it to the national stage and carried on a culture that Mr. Ruxer started many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. And that is taking care of your people, treating them right, and looking at them as a customer. And it's spread throughout our, our, uh, our company, and I could share many, many stories with you, but it's living it day in and day out. And we're not the right company for everybody, and we realize that. And through our interview process, which you just touched on, it's very involved. I think you can ask anybody that's come to work here. Uh, you're gonna go through a fairly extensive interview process. And truly, Jay, what we're looking for is character first and foremost. Yeah. You know, we can teach you uh, the things that need to be done, but we're a Christian company. We're Midwest, uh, Jasper, Indiana. It's a, it's a Catholic German community. And when the president of our company is behind his office at 6.15, 6.30 every morning working, that sends a message that we work hard and we have fun with what we do. So it's truly bred from the top and it's lived every day. And uh, one thing to add to Jasper, Indiana, I don't remember what the restaurant name was, but you guys uh, sent us there when we came down to visit. And uh, Yes, great, uh, great German restaurant, right? That was, uh, that was a good suggestion. We really enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> we send everybody there uh, for the first, first night. Uh, it's, it's the best restaurant in town. It's, it's very well known. And, and again, you look at the culture of that town, uh, that, that restaurant uh, breeds it. I, I agree. It's, it's, uh, it's a really, really neat town. So from the standpoint of how you're going through that process, and maybe I want to dive into that a little bit, mm -hmm. and I want to kind of maybe even think about this in a little bit of a different light in that are there things that you do at Jasper that could apply to a shop, right? So the way that you put somebody through an interview process, the way that you run your business, are there things that are transferable to a shop to be able to run their business the Jasper way, if you will? Yeah, absolutely, Jay. And I'm really glad you're touching on this because once we, from an outside sales perspective, you know, we, with our holding companies, and one thing I want to mention, in 2009, we became an ESOP, an employee-owned company, and we've been very blessed to see that share price outperform probably over 90% of the publicly traded companies wow. from that time. And when you become an employee-owned company and you get more of that buy-in, it's really about what you do matters. So bringing that out to our independent repair shops, Doug Bobble, who you've met, he's our chairman yeah. of our company. And we created what we call Strive to Thrive during the recession. And that was to go out and share best practices and speak across the country. And our regionals do it as well. I do it as well. And Doug does it. And it was to share the, hey, there's shops thriving during this time, and you can too. Since then, uh, we've carried that over to creating a culture of excellence and carrying some of those cultural things that we're doing that you can bring to your facility. And again, some of those things truly are is, is transparency in the shop. I've heard you speak about this. I've heard some of your, your guests speak about this. When we started out and uh, you're turning wrenches and struggling, you're looking at that owner driving that nice new truck mm -hmm. and taking a couple days off here and there. You're just tough, man. That guy's you know, living a life and we're the ones busting our butt. And most shop owners were living that one day. They yeah. worked their butt off to become that shop owner. And the best ones realized that's being said today. So being transparent with your technicians, with your writers, sharing the numbers, where they're coming from, how it impacts them, and what value that they bring to the business. You know, whether it's 
the technician that's turning a certain amount of hours, letting him know the value that he brings to the business, make them involved. Now, I shared this a couple of years ago. I get the pleasure of visiting hundreds of shops a year and thousands over the last several years. And you get to learn things. And I summed it up pretty easily, try to sum things up from 30,000 feet, that when I walk into a shop, and you've done this, you can feel the tension sometimes. Yeah. It's uncomfortable to be in there. And then you walk in some shops and you almost feel welcome right away. And digging in and learning what they're doing, the shop owners that get it from the trans transparency people phase and breaking bread with their technicians at least once a week just to sit down and talk about their personal life, get to know your people. So truly the key word there is just transparency and bringing that. Another cultural piece that we share uh, a lot is getting involved in the community with your team. We've talked about that a lot over the last several years and stepping out and doing things with the people that you work with outside of work. And it's a family when you're there, it's a family outside of that. And you typically end up being interested in some similar items and similar things to so do those things and spend time with those people. So again, that that's read from the top and uh, we, we all, we all live. It. I, I think that is such a powerful thing to talk about and that really just caring about them personally too, I think goes such, such a, it, it's hard to put that into words, right? Because you're act, you're absolutely right. When you talk about going into a shop, that has the right feeling and has that warm feeling as compared to the ones that don't. And there's a drastic difference between the two and you can feel it, you can see it. And it, it is sometimes not explainable uh, in terms of just like, this is how you do it. It's, it, there's gotta be some level of, I don't know, respect or, you know, that even if that technician sees that, that owner driving the nice car, you know, having the ability to tell the story of how they got there, right? And and I think that's Absolutely. that's a big thing with this podcast too, is just to show that you don't just start off at the top. You 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 do work your way toward it, and you do kind of chip away at at progress. So I, I think that's a that's a really really powerful point, Joe. Yeah, you know, every shop, every company, you're going to have those times when somebody just doesn't fit. And I think the mistake a lot of shop owners make sometimes is that poison they have, that prima donna, if you will. Yeah. Sometimes it's their best tech. Sometimes it's the guy turning the most hours, but he's making everybody else miserable. Yeah. And I can tell you, you can interview 100 shop owners today that finally made the decision to remove that person from their business, and they have a much better business today. Yes. And those are some of the things that are very, very difficult to do. And it's just, it, it has to be done. And uh, once it's done, you'll hear things like this. What took you so long? You're letting him get away with this and, and we're not allowed to do that. And it just changes the entire atmosphere of the shop. Yes. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I've seen it over and over and over again. And it is truly a short-term pain for a long-term gain in the, in the scenarios mm. that I've seen it where, you do lose, lose those hours and that, that really good worker, but in the long, the grand scheme of, of what your business is, parting ways with somebody that can be a cancer to your team just is a game changer for your business. And it is, uh, it's really, 
I don't know. That is a really, really good point. It's a really hard thing to do. I think there's shop owners all over the country that could probably probably be be familiar with that situation or understand <laughs> what what's going on there because it is it's it's at a lot of shops that that that's the case well, one of the other things that we do and, and when, when i'm speaking to shop owners i'll bring up that story i just shared with you and I'll also bring them back to when you first open up the shop and the maturation process to get where you have today it's hard yeah. work and you know when you have a customer that comes in and lays down the keys and say hey just fix it that trust factor doesn't come overnight. It's earned. Um, but you do get those people that you click with right away and you kind of understand how do I create more of those customers? And that's where we go into, and again, tying back to our culture, one of the things that we do is a personality profile on the folks that are coming to work for us. And you know, you've got introverts, extroverts, and, and a lot of people in between. And to be an outside sales, you do have to be somewhat of an extrovert. Yeah. But your technician is typically an engineer type person. They want to be left alone and do their own thing. I've helped many shop owners over the years, Jay, when they're struggling with communication in the shop, do a personality profile and it will just glaring show. It'll, it'll be jumping out at you from the page on why that technician and this technician just can't get along. Yeah. And you have to understand your team to get them clicking on the right cylinders so investing some of that time. And when you look at the role of a shop owner today, that's his job. Yeah. His job is to create a safe working environment for his associates, uh, obviously make money for the business and create opportunities. And that proactiveness to work on the business versus it working on him will allow that person to go into some of these things to create a better team. So those are some of the things that we talk about in our culture of excellence as well. And again, going back to some of your uh, uh, recent podcasts and, and guests, the theme is people. Yeah. They see it, they're successful because they get it. Uh, you're as good as the people around you. And once you understand that that piece of it, there's, there's so many fun things that you can do. And to sit back and watch that, that, that bloom, if you will, it, it's, it's exciting and fun to do. I 100% I agree. And one thing that I would ask you about is so what is so your demographic of shop, uh, whether it's independent or fleet, how many locations would a, a typical shop have? Is it anywhere from like one to five or I, I know that's a loaded question, but it, it, what is what is that true kind of demographic? And I guess I'll ask a follow up question after that. We'll clarify that with one to five shop owner. Say that again, Jay. I just want to so, make sure I understand your question. More so, how many locations would a would a shop owner have? Okay. Yeah, I mean, a majority of them, it's a one location. Now, what we see is independent repair shops, one location. That's who we're dealing with. We're not dealing with some of the larger chains and regional chains, although we do. Yeah. Now, on our fleet uh, installer program, where we're focused on those shops that really focus on fleet repair, that's where we start to see multiple locations uh, start to happen. You know, our demographic, it's, it's the shop that is charging the proper amount of labor to run a sustainable business. Yeah. And when you go back to that maturation process, when you first open up that shop, that guy's getting everything in that area that nobody else wants. They went through it. You can have that guy and you can have the used stuff. And, and little by little, that guy realizes, okay, that's not the customer base that I want. I want a better customer base. I'm going to start charging a little bit more, buying higher quality products. 
you know, we're not the cheapest remanufactured engine and transmission differential transfer case and fuel component company out there. Yeah. Uh, and, and we don't want to be. So we are focused on the shop owner that has gotten beyond buying new stuff and building his business based on price. So that would be our demographic of a shop owner. That's a great explanation. So uh, thank you for taking kind of an unclear question and, and uh, uh, cleaning it up for me. <laughs> but so, <laughs> so one, one of the questions I have off of that then is if, if the demographic is primarily, say, one location, which is that's what I grew up in, right? That's what my dad's sure. shop is. And as we're, as we're kind of maturing as an industry and we're starting to see a lot of competition for technicians, one of the things that I worry about from the one location shops is their ability to kind of paint a career path for somebody, right? And, it, mm. and, and be able to kind of say, okay, this is our vision. This is what we want to help you grow. And do you see maybe a struggle there uh, with maybe the, the independent one location shop to show that path? And if, if so, maybe talk about, and, and this is just open, open discussion, what are ways that we can help kind of paint that career growth path and, and show that in a single location, which sometimes can be tough? Yeah, great question. So I, I, do, I do see that now from a competitive nature, you, you've also got the technicians that want to work just in a shop atmosphere. Yep. Uh, many sometimes get frustrated with the dealership politics and they're looking for something like that. And uh, I think you've said it before, you're always recruiting, looking for those people to bring into your business. Yeah. So the shop owner that we are certainly dealing with, we have these discussions with. And, and truly, our training to our outside sales reps is, is technical, but a majority of the training is from the consultative approach for the needs of the shop owner to help bring those things to them. That's why I was excited to see the uh, what you're building, uh, Jay, and what yeah. you're doing for the aftermarket and proud to partner with, uh, with the program you're bringing. So in saying that, I don't care how small of a business you are, you have to have policies and procedures set up. And there's got to be a, uh, a program of how you're attracting technicians. And I say it all the time, and a couple of your folks have said it, I think the title of one of your podcasts say it. You've got to become the automotive repair shop that technicians want to work for. Yeah. So you've got a line of people coming to work there. Now, it's, they've upped their game. You know, if you're not offering some sort of retirement program, insurance, a fair vacation policy, pay what you're paying your technicians, I don't know how many conversations I've had when I'm talking to a shop owner and he's struggling to find that great tech, and I ask him what he's paying his top tech, and he tells me, there's your answer. You're not going to get a top tech if you don't open that pocketbook up a little bit. These guys deserve that money that are ATEX. The abilities that they have, they should be making top dollar in the market. So first thing we do is, do you have a policy, policy and procedure in your shop, number one. Number two, what are the steps that you do in your recruiting process? And listen, we know most of it. Hey, we put an ad and we hope to see something. Yeah. And I'll tell you something else, Jay. You know, on top of that today, I truly believe this. And when you look at shops today, and, and again, the shop demographic we're calling on, these are million-dollar-a-year shops, $1.5, $2 million, $3 million, $4 million annual revenue shop shops. Yeah. Good shops. And when you look at that type of revenue that you're bringing in, you're running a major retail business. Yeah. And you demand quality people coming in. So you've got to have that program 
to bring those people in. You know, the community uh, involvement. On one of your uh, podcasts, you were talking about VIP stores up in the Northeast, yep. using his technicians to create other or uh, bring in other great technicians. That's, you know, truly what you do. Sorry, I went off on a little tangent there. No, I love it. Other pieces that I wanted to throw in there. I, I absolutely love it because I think you're you're absolutely right. And I, I from a from a shop owner's standpoint, one thing that I see kind of out there, and obviously we deal with this every day, but we look at the expense of the tech far more than the value of the tech, right? Absolutely. And, and great to point. know like what what could they generate in revenue because they're in there. Instead, we look at, oh my goodness, they want, you know, 30 bucks an hour to do this or whatever it is. How am I ever going to make that work? I, I kind of personally, and, and maybe this is just my approach to it, but I would rather try to figure out a way to pay that top technician uh, and offer what they, they want and get that person in the door and then figure out how to make the money after that and, and try to, you know, because then it becomes a business case, not a technician case. And there's a, there's a difference there. Yeah, no, no, no question. You know, when you look at, you know, another theme piece from a, the, a successful shop owner is, is create a peer group and discuss these best practices and what you're struggling to, to get the right people. And, you know, we're not, from a competitor standpoint, we're true. There's, there's plenty of business out there for you, but to try to do it by yourself, it, it's just, it's almost impossible. And again, from a, Perspective, again, from, from my perspective today, I feel a shop owner should have a coach. When you look, again, the dollar and the revenue piece that I shared earlier, and you talk to another retail owner of, of any business, and you ask what he's doing to build his business, you'll hear a, a peer group, uh, a coach, financial coach. Obviously, they get tremendous amount of advice from their accountant, their local bank, and, you know, those are some of the things that we shared today. I've shared some coaches that we've worked with and we believe in it so much. We, we promote those programs to our shop owners as well. With the amount of revenue going in and out of these shops today, you've got to be getting some different advice from, from, around, from around you. We, yeah. we push, our, we push our, uh, our sales reps to create roundtables, maybe whether it's a breakfast roundtable with three to five shop owners and then something larger than that, where we've created some advisory groups uh, across the country as well to get there, to get together and share best practices. I actually had a meeting last night uh, with an advisor group from across the country, sharing best practices and what they're doing coming out of uh, this pandemic as they're starting to open up. What did they learn and what are they bringing to that future state? And what does that future state look like? So how does, how does a conversation go like this? And, and I, I bring it up because I was on Darren, uh, Darren Dameron's down in, uh, in Florida. He invited okay. me to, to speak on his, and I just was blown away at how much shop owners wanted to help each other out and, and try to figure out, you know, a best practice. When you have a meeting like that, where you're talking about how to come out of a, of a pandemic, what do you talk about? So, you know, it's interesting. You said, that. I, 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 what I'll do too, Jay, is I'll share the notes from that meeting last night. And oh, I was cool. really blown away. And this particular advisor group uh, was a group of shop owners that uh, focus on fleet repair. So 80% of their business is fleet. So they were talking about industries right now to go after. And the industries to make sure your accounts receivable is cleaned up. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, the one gentleman was talking about 
construction companies, DOT right now with some infrastructure going on with some additional money coming into the states. One piece, gentleman shared, he's partnered up with a uh, local body shop and they're baking uh, utility trucks for a fleet he has at 138.8 degrees, which is the degree that kills this virus. And he's really? making money doing that. So you want to talk about some creativity uh, during this time and find another revenue source. Uh, that was the most unique one I heard last night. But you know, you, you hear things. I, I'm getting up at 5:30 as I drive into my shop. I'm driving in a different way each time. I made three fleet calls today. Again, going back to when these guys started their business and having that fire to grow. They've got that fire right now to not only grow but to keep the people that they've employed for many years working. Yeah. And uh, and they look at taking care of families and again that culture piece that they've grown. You're absolutely right. And I uh, short plug for uh, supportrepairshops.com. But Jasper, you as Jasper were big supporters of that, and it was really that piece to try and come up with an idea to help these shops survive through a tough time, and especially when there was a lot of uncertainty. I think that's the hardest part about managing through any of this stuff is the uncertainty of what's going to happen. Um, obviously we went through kind of the PPP loan uh, thing and all, there was so many different areas and avenues you're trying to navigate while trying to keep your, keep your staff employed and, and keep those people because they do become part of your family and they, they really become close to you. Uh, you hate to see them struggle, but it, it is, it is a challenging thing to go through. And I'm sure with shop owners and, not knowing how you're going to schedule out. And if something's not on the schedule for tomorrow, what does that look like? Is it more marketing? Is it more, you know, what, what, what do you do and which buttons do you push? I think you hit on one of the very, very key parts, which is creating that fire again. Right. And I think mm -hmm. when, when everything's good, it, it's easy to get kind of complacent or uh, I don't even know if complacent's the right word, but to get comfortable. Yeah, yeah, you go through the yep. motions, right? And yep. and these times, I love your message to shops right there is that, you know, come out of this stronger, come out of this doing some things differently. Do you get that overall feeling? And I I think from, from the standpoint of working with peer groups, you're typically probably working with uh, some of the top tier shops uh, just to take the initiative to even do something like that. But do you get that feeling? It kind of recreates that fire uh, when they it come does, back out? Yeah. yeah, it does, Jay. And you know, what we do with the peer groups we take those ideas out to our other shops and, you know, anything that comes in these groups and they want to keep it confidential, obviously we'll do that. But some of the general ideas that come out, we're going to share it with the, the guy that's just been two or three years and he's struggling. He can't figure out why he's not making money. And he doesn't even think, it doesn't even come, you know, on his radar to reach out for help. Uh, ask another shop owner. I mean, these guys are successful people. They want to give back and yeah. they want to help. Uh, I can tell you, listening last night, uh, there's one person on the on the call last night that is struggling more than the others. And he was quiet kind of throughout as he was taking it in. And I was a little worried about him. But man, did he, he just, his energy level from the beginning of the call to the end of the call just changed dramatically because he heard success. Yeah. He heard ideas and it kind of rejuvenated him a little bit but you've oh. got to reach out and ask you know you look at transparency as jasper as a company i remember many many years ago one of our competitors had just toured our facility and i just 
couldn't understand why. <laughs> and, uh, that's about as transparent as it gets, isn't it? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And <laughs> I said, did we hide everything? You know, what did we show? So, uh, but again, Doug Bob and Zach at the time said, you know, we're not hiding anything. Uh, we do some unique things. We do updates. We try to make the product better. But at the end of the day, anybody can buy our product and look at that. But to, to, to create what we've created here is difficult to do. But be transparent. We're not, we're humble enough to know we can learn from anybody any day. Yes. We're all learning new ideas. So to see these seasoned shop owners share this information and be humble enough to realize, hey, that's a better idea. We're going to try that. Those are the most successful shop owners. I agree. And I think one thing that surprises uh, shop owners and managers when they, when they do reach out, one, it's nice just to, to have the feeling that somebody else is going through what you're going through right now, right? And, and even if it's when business is good and you're trying to find techs or uh, you're trying to get your AR in line, you're trying to do you know, some different things, there mm -hmm. are other people feeling those same pains that you are. But then, you know, uh, secondly, how, when they get into a peer group, I feel like they're almost intimidated at first until they get in there and then really see that everybody wants to help everybody out. And I think we've got a, a unique, a unique industry and especially on the independent side where they really want to help each other out. And they, I, I it's hard to explain, but I, I don't know. I'm guessing you see the same thing, but it is, it's really, it warms your heart a little bit to see how much these guys it, want to help these it, help it, each other out, you know? It's fun to watch. You know, when, when we sit down in the initial meetings, we do two meetings a year with a couple different advisory groups, and there's about 15 shop owners there. And you got a couple different things going on. You've got some egos in the room, you know, in their area, they may be the big shot. And when they come in the room, so you've got that piece of it. And you got the ones that feel, hey, I'm nowhere near these guys. But I'm telling you, after an hour, it's night and day. And, and listen, you have to facilitate that. Yeah. There's an agenda put forth and questions. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us the most embarrassing thing you did the first year you <laughs> opened up your shop. And, you know, you, you got to loosen those things up and, and people really realize, hey, he's just like me. And I, I did that, that dumb thing too. And we opened up and, and, uh, and then bringing that humility in the room. And I'll tell them straight up, check that ego at the door and come on in and, uh, and let's have some fun. By the end of the day, I, I'm at, they don't even know I'm there. You know, they're talking and they're sharing and they're joking out of our way. And, and I'm gladly doing that. But it's just creating that atmosphere that allows that to, to happen and flourish. And uh, I was had the uh, opportunity to uh, be part of a 20 group early in my career of transmission shop owners. And that's when I first realized of how strong they can be. Yeah. So uh, we, we train our outside sales reps to at least start with some round tables, get a couple of your shops together. And even if you're talking about labor rates or what we're talking about, technicians and or creating better a way to bring the car in or, or, or deliver the car back to the customer, it just doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter. And, you know, the, the other piece is it, this isn't rocket science, right? It's, it's, it's not. We're taking a car in, we're fixing the vehicle, giving it back to the customer. So we're meeting that expectation. You're not going to get a customer jumping all over social media to say, hey, I took my car into John's Automotive and he fixed my brakes and I paid him for it. You're not going to hear about it. And it's about exceeding those expectations. And what are you doing to get people talking about you? And it, you, know, you hear everybody. When I go around the room, Jay, and I say, share five unique things about your shop, 
by the time I'm to the fifth person, they kind of get the deal. They're all yeah. saying the same thing. <laughs> we do quality work. We got a clean shop. We got the best technicians. And everybody says that. But what are you truly doing unique today I that's separating that. you from the competition? I love that. I, I preach that constantly. And, <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it is so funny because everybody can say they have great management and everybody can say that they're, you know, top notch. And it's really, I wish people would put more thought into that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Really like why, okay, so why are you, why is your management great? Why are you the best shop in town? What is it that truly differentiates you? And I think when I ask that question a lot, I get that confused look. And I, uh, I, did a, I did a presentation to a bunch of shops, uh, this is a while ago, up in Minnesota. And I asked them, you know, I, I actually kind of listed off, from what I recall, the top five things that I thought were very repetitive. And, and so I said, who in this room has, you know, lists on their job description that they have uh, great management and like half of them raise their, half their, <laughs> raise their hand. And like, as we kept doing, we were doing a, probably a similar <laughs> exercise to what you were doing where they kind of got the idea of, oh, we're not, that's not as unique as we thought it was. <laughs> I'm not so, as unique as I thought I was. No, no. So you have to take a look in the mirror and kind of look and see, you know, and truly understand that. And that, that's not only for your customers, but for your internal staff too, of, of why you do things a certain way and what you do that's different that creates that mind-blowing, great customer experience out of something that can be pretty ordinary. And, and you know, it's the little things. It doesn't have to be anything extraordinary. Right. It, it, it could be, you know, wishing your, your technician a happy birthday or bringing him in a cake that day. Um, but you, you, you said something there and you nailed it, it your internal customer. And that's exactly how you need to look at every one of your associates. That is your customer and you're serving them. And what, what can you do to get the most out of them? You know, I'll go back to that personality piece. It, it's amazing. You, know, you do the personality piece to get people that, that fit the culture of your company. Mm. And once you do that, you get them on the right seat on the bus. But the way to use that personality profile is you can understand what motivates that individual. Yes. It may not be telling everybody it's birthday. You know, it might be just a one-on-one talking to him and asking how he's doing. You know, walking up to a technician out of the blue, hey, how you doing? What's going on? And just chat with him one-on-one could be the best thing that happened to him in a month, yeah. right? These guys, they, they want to feel valued. And at the end of the day, we're in the people business. Yes. And the sooner the shop owners realize that, uh, the, the better. And again, that demographic shop owner I'm sharing with you in the, in the advisory meetings, uh, they've understood that. And uh, they're still writing notes when they're listening to other ideas. And, and as you said a couple minutes ago, it's fun. And as you said, it warms your heart to kind of watch that. And the friends that I've made in this industry over the years and, and you've made, uh, nothing, nothing beats that. No, it, it doesn't. And that's, that is truly amazing. And, and one thing I think I, I try to, I, I love the personality testing. And, and one thing I try to convey to shops is that it's not as intimidating as it sounds either, right? There, no, there's, no. there's services that you can use, um, and I Absolutely. don't know which one you guys use, but whether it's the disc assessment or whatever, whatever assessment, I, somebody gave me one called 16 Personalities, which is a free test online. <laughs> it was, it's great. And in all cases, I, anyone that I've taken 
pretty much hit me on the head. I mean, hit, they, they nail me down as I know, far as what I am. It's kind of creepy, but <laughs> it's kind of creepy. It sure is. <laughs> but, but that's where I think a lot of shop owners will look at that and say, well, that's, you know, that's more of a corporate thing. I, I can't do that. And in mm-hmm. reality, it's not that hard to do. And it, it does provide a lot of value back. Yeah. And it's been fun. As I said, over the years, I've helped a couple of shops and, and ran them for other technicians and their staff and explain to them probably what's going on. And they, they thought I was a wizard. And, uh, <laughs> and it's just from understanding, you're not going to get these people gelling. So I would either separate them or do this each day or whatnot. And, and uh, you get that, that working in your shop and that flow working in your shop. Uh, again, it takes, it takes that piece away to where you can focus on the proactive things and, and the focus on things that can grow your shop and, and bring more things in. But the biggest piece is, is understanding what motivates your associate and be an individual to him. Not putting one thing out for everybody, but be an individual to that person. And you'll get, you, you'll get those associates. They'll run through a wall for you because yeah. you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's a quote I heard a long time ago, and it's just so true. Yeah, I, that is that is incredibly true, and and I, even the part where not everybody wants the public acknowledgement. That's right. right. Like there's sometimes where somebody's a little bit shy, and I, I've I've probably made this mistake myself where I you know I just assume everybody wants public acknowledgement and wants to be kind of have the light shined on them, and and in people that I've managed, I've learned that that's not always the case, and you have to know who who likes that, who doesn't like that and, and kind of cater to them a little bit. And what, again, you said it, you nailed it on the head with what motivates them, what, what really makes them feel good and, and makes them feel like they're a part of the team. And it's not always the same thing for everybody. We talked about this subject at one of the advisory meetings a couple of years ago. And uh, one of the members went back to, he had two locations in Florida. And what he did, they, they hand their checks out uh, when, on payday and he put a, a survey in there asking uh, just three simple questions. Uh, what do you like most about working here? W- what could I be doing differently as, a, as an owner to, to help you succeed? And, and I can't quite remember the last one, but the, the feedback, I mean, he said he got emotional reading mm-hmm. that. And uh, first, you know, learning how they feel about the situation, learning and reading some difficult things, which is fine. You, you got to go through that. And he made a couple minor changes individually to people. And he, he couldn't wait to get back in the fall to share the results of that. We have a little contest each time to share one idea that's impacted your shop the most. And uh, we do it at the end of the two day meeting and uh, we all vote on it. And uh, he just, he couldn't keep it in. I think he told everybody within the first hour what his idea was. <laughs> but uh, it worked, but right? It worked, right, right. What a what a fun way to to find out that motivation and and what you you can be doing for each individual of your team. Oh, that is so cool. That is so cool. Uh, one other one other thing, and to kind of shift gears here a little bit, was when when you went with your outside team, your outside sales team. Uh, from more of a, you know, strictly selling to a consultative approach. How did you, how, how did shops receive that at first? Because I could see maybe if, if at first they're, they're coming in saying, Hey, I want to help you with your business. And the shop owner's like, yeah, right. You're trying to sell me more stuff. Right. Like how, how do you, and I, I can say this because I, I feel like I, I see you guys all over the country and I, you embrace, 
you embrace the consultative approach and it's not just a gimmick. It's truly, we're here to help you in any way that we can. How, how hard was that transition from, from just true salesmanship to uh, that consultative approach? Jay, first of all, that's a great question. And thank you for asking it and allowing me the opportunity to address it. And because I, you're exactly right. You know, first of all, we have to earn the right to, to even do that. Uh, you know, those initial calls, when we hire somebody new and they're new to that shop owner, that's the furthest thing from my shop, my rep's mind. Yeah. Uh, first thing he needs to do is build personal trust with that shop owner that he can bring value to the visit. We, we try to set ourselves apart and, and bring a quality visit to a shop owner. We've seen too many times your parts guy will walk in with a flyer and how's the weather and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And that's just not what we're going to do. Uh, we call those professional visitors and, and we, <laughs> we, we will not put up with that. If yeah. you're not bringing value to that visit, then you wasted that very valuable time of that shop owner. So that's got to be carved out. You know, our, our rep, uh, new rep starting in the field and getting to know his, his customers, he may not even begin to have a business conversation with one of his shop owners for two years. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be earned. And you can't have that conversation if you don't understand the industry. So our guys become an expert in your industry. You want to you wanna earn the right to sell to a shop owner? Help him build his business. Show him you care about his business. Listen, we feel we've got the best product on the marketplace. Our service after the sale, our, everything's there. But we've got to earn that right for him to want to partner with Jasper and trust that individual. So that first couple of years, it's earning that right and showing value, discussing our product, what makes us different, and making sure we're providing good information. Then it may come time to just ask that question, you know, uh, what are you struggling with the most here? Or, you know, notice you're busier than most shops during that slow time. How have you been able to do that? And that's truly what I did. You know, you don't just, we've got the ability to go into thousands of shops every year. If a shop owner got to leave his shop for one year and shadow a rep, and he came back in this shop one year later. So much more. Oh my gosh. He wouldn't know where to start to yeah. change things. And that's what we have to bring to our shop owners. We get to do that so we can share you, for the most part, what works and what doesn't work. But my gosh, that, that has to be earned and uh, you know, over that time frame. So great question. I, uh, I have to compliment you on, uh, and I'll, I'll call out a rep that actually called me up this morning uh, by the name of Chris Romeo. And uh, oh. Chris called wow. me and he's, he said he's three months into the job and he was already trying to help one of his really, really good clients out with text. And so he's like, do you mind if I, if I pass along your information and uh, was just so incredibly respectful and so just a, such a pleasure to talk to. And it, it's, uh, it's those kind of things that I see that are just incredibly refreshing to see. And, and uh, I think that's, you know, again, it starts with the people and you're getting the good people in the door and, and then showing them the way of like, this is what you've got to do. I, I, uh, I can't tell you how much I respect that and, and how much I, I just love your, the, the Jasper approach in general on that. You guys have done an amazing job. It's so cool. You just brought his name up because Jay, you know, he, uh, as he said, I actually just sent him a, a 90 day kind of follow up. Hey, how you doing? Uh, expectation of the job where they, what do you expect it? And, and all that fun stuff. 
and he responded professionally as he does. But what he did about 30 days in, he sent me an email and a thank you card, hmm. right? And I, those are the little things, right? Our, our, our reps do that as well. You buy, you're going to get a handwritten thank you card. And I know what he's doing to me, right? This is that consult, this is that uh, psychology thing. And I know what he's doing and he still got to me, right? (laughs) I don't care who you are. You know, when somebody cares enough for what you're doing and you get a thank you, how long you've been in this business, it's appreciated. And some guys, they just get it. And what Chris gets, he's in the people business. And that's what it's all about. But it's got to be genuine. It's, I mean, you'll see right through you with that, you know, ingenuous character out there. And we see it all the time in sales, yeah. all the time. Yes. Yes. And uh, I, I say to our guys, you earn the right to go in there and you earn that business and, and do it sincerely and genuinely. You'll have a customer for life yeah. because you're in it for life. And we're here and, you know, helping the aftermarket grow. But if you're disingenuous, you know, you're not at the right place. Well, and I mean, you hit on it before too, with the, they, your customers truly do become your family and become, you know, mm-hmm. really integral pieces of, of your life and, and your friends. And I, uh, I think that the people that get that are ultimately the really, really successful people in this business and really any business for that matter. It's, uh, uh, everything does come down to people. And I just want to, uh, I guess, end our podcast by just kind of stating how impressed I am with everything that you do, uh, with everything that Jasper is uh, as a company. And, and uh, I, I am genuinely always excited to talk to anybody from Jasper because it's normally a, a really good, candid conversation, but it just, a, I, I don't know, there's, there, you, you have great people. And I, I, you know, I think it circles back to a lot of what we've talked about during this podcast. And, and uh, so just uh, uh, the, the relationship means the world to me. And I think, uh, I think the world of you guys in general. So I, I appreciate everything. Jay, again, awesome words and, and really appreciate it. And you know, I, I was, as I shared with you, kind of following you from afar and, and watching you on LinkedIn and, and yeah. seeing the impact you started to have and grow and grow and grow. And, and man, have you found uh, the secret sauce of the, uh, what needs to be done in this industry and the technician has been a battle for a long time, but we're excited to be a part of what you're doing and proud to, to represent you as we're walking in these facilities and the value that you're bringing to the industry. And that goes back to that consultative approach. When, when we see somebody else doing something that we feel can impact this industry in a positive way, uh, we want to be a part of it. So uh, we appreciate you allowing us to do that. And uh, we're looking forward to, to, to many more uh, years of working with you and, and watching it grow. Well, I appreciate it. We, uh, we talk about how, uh, how surrounding yourself with good people is such an important piece. And I, I feel like I, I've, uh, I, I'm intentional with that. And, and uh, having you as a part of this is, uh, is just uh, the ultimate compliment to us. And I, I really appreciate that. So thank you for taking time to be on the podcast today. I think we could have probably kept going for another uh, three hours uh, but but I, I really appreciate uh, you, you taking the time out of your busy schedule to do this. And, and uh, hopefully we'll get you back on again at some point here. Appreciate the opportunity, Jay. Thank you.